0: Take your Bible and turn to Psalm 77. Psalm 77, let's pray, and then we'll dive into God's word together. Heavenly Father, God, thank you again for another beautiful day. God, an opportunity to come into your presence. Lord, and to break bread. God, with our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Lord, we're thankful for this day. God, for what it means. Lord, the implications of Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, we're thankful that today as we come together, we come in a place that's free, that we're able to meet, have our Bibles, speak the name of Jesus. Now, Father, you know my heart today. God, you know what my burden is. And Father, you know who's here today in this building or worshiping online. God, you know who will have access to this for years to come, the archive ministry of our media department. God, I pray that you would take my words and God, that they would be your words. Lord, that you would take anything out of my mouth that you do not want me to say. And Father, that you would put the words in my mouth that you want me to say. I pray, Holy Ghost of God, that you would hide me behind the cross. And that, God, you would prepare hearts and you would prepare minds to hear the Word of God clearly. Lord, we love you today. We worship you. We thank you for this wonderful report that's just been given. I pray today that you would receive all the glory, all the honor and all the praise for what's done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Psalm 77, let's read the first nine verses. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed, Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song of the night. I commune with my own heart. And my spirit is made diligent search. In verse 7, 8, and 9, I want you to pay close attention to the questions being asked. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean, gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. My heart this morning is for brokenhearted people. My heart this morning is for people who have been in a difficult place or who are in this very moment in a difficult place. My heart is to encourage you and to allow you for just a moment that in your darkness, in your moment, in your pain, in your suffering, that you would be reminded of who Jesus is and what he is. Let's just be honest, life in this world, in our current existence, life can be cruel. Life can be mean, life can be harsh, life can be unkind, and really, life can be brutal on human emotions. And add to the fact of what life is in itself, then you add into that mix people, imperfect human beings with opinions and emotions themselves. And people can, and people will, and people are going to let you down. It's inevitable, it's part of the human experience. If you've not come to terms with what people are, all of us are people, and if you've not come to terms that people are going to let you down, that people are going to sometimes fail you, then you are living in a really a harsh existence. You have to come to terms with the fact that people are people. People whether they mean to or not are going to hurt you. It's part of living in this world. It's just life. I wanna ask you three questions, just as a test of our audience today. But have you ever been ignored? Has anyone ever ignored you? Yeah. You say someone's name, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, they heard you. They even did that little check where their head moved a little bit, but they kept on going. You ever been ignored? How did it feel? Well, if you really needed something, it probably really hurt your feelings. Now, if you were being a pain, like I am sometimes to Miranda, when she knows I'm asking for something and I'm kind of giving her a hard time, she will ignore me, and rightfully so. But I'm talking about someone in need. Hey, I need your help. Would you come help me? And they still ignore you. It hurts. Have you ever been cut off? either in conversation that was important, and then someone either gets into the conversation because what they have to say is 10 times more important than what you ever thought about saying. Brother Kevin has. (laughs) Have you ever stood in line in the European Union, specifically in Germany, to get into customs, and you've been waiting now for 48 minutes this one person to process a thousand people and this gentleman cuts in front of you and as you see your hands reaching to remove him from the line you realize that you're about to be put on the no-fly list (laughs) have you ever been cut off even maybe in traffic i think we've all been there it's part of the human experience And it's experience with people who are imperfect themselves just like you are. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and we all have our quirks and we all have our personality. And living in that bubble, living in that reality, I may submit to you humbly and kindly, you're going to have to get some tough skin to live in this life. Your toes are going to have to be able to take a little bit of stepping on to live in this world if you want to have any friends or come to church. If you want to be hurt, if you want your toes to be sore on Monday morning, come to church on Sunday. There are people here. We're all sinners saved by grace. And the truth is, I have even forgotten this week to call people back or to do something that I was supposed to do. I don't know yet what I forgot to do. I forgot it. (laughs) But we're all just people. But today I want us to dig a little bit deeper than the surface of even human relationship. I want us to go below the surface of human relationship and human interaction. And instead we're going to have to go into a season for about 40 minutes of real personal honesty inward. We're going to have to open up our hearts and our minds to allow God to speak to us because what we're about to experience through this psalm is brutal honesty. There is no facade from this point forward. This is real, it's raw, and it's the antithesis of human emotion that's set ablaze with problems and issues. It's one thing to experience these emotions to be ignored, to be cut off, to be forgotten by someone. But listen to me, have you ever felt or experienced those emotions in your relationship with God? That's a completely different thing. Have you ever had a place and a time or are you currently living in a season of life where you feel like things with God has changed? Communion with him is different. His presence feels like it's been removed and set on a faraway island that you can't even find on a map. You have no access to that island. You don't know where to go to find it. You can't find it. You've searched all over. But his presence, what you know you used to experience, what you knew when you woke up in the mornings and that grace and that mercy was there waiting for you when you got out of the bed, and you could even shed a tear before you got to the bathroom because your heart was so overwhelmed at the goodness of God. Is that missing in your life? Does prayer feel like a repetitive motion that makes noise, that makes sound, but gets you nowhere? Have you ever been there? Is the fire and the burning passion of your relationship with God barely smoldering? Or do you look down in the fire and there's not even an ember? Is it gray ash? If you've ever been there... If you've ever experienced that before, then what you're about to see in this psalm is someone who experienced just that. Go back to these verses. I cried unto the Lord, unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice. He repeats himself. He's crying He's showing you the posture and the tone of his voice. He's literally crying aloud and repeats himself. With my voice I cried unto God, even unto God with my voice. And here's the key. And he gave ear to me. It's one thing to be completely ignored. It's another to know that God has heard you, but nothing is happening. The psalmist here is Asaph, and that's exactly what he's saying. Asaph is, in Psalm 77, in one of the deepest, darkest holes of human existence that you will find in Scripture. This is one of the most raw emotional points in all of canonized holy text. This psalm is someone here today. Someone here today or worshiping online, this may be actually what you are experiencing. That you're crying out to God. You believe that God can hear your prayer. You know that God is listening to you, but nothing is happening. That's what Asaph is talking about. Verses 7 through 9, really, it kind of all comes to a head there. It all comes out. His tone from crying becomes almost sort of an accusation against God. Anger and frustration come boiling out of his heart. This is who he is and this is where he is. And he's having a very, very serious ordeal. According to the Bible, Asaph, as he's writing this, has been awake all night. He's crying, sobbing uncontrollably, and he's so upset that he cannot speak. Verse number four, thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled, my heart is so crippled, my heart is so blinded with emotion that I can't even make words, Asaph is saying. This is all internal dialogue. This is inside of him coming out directly to God. God. This is blinding, numbing grief and pain. Look at the questions that he asks. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will God keep his distance from me forever? Is this what he promised he would be? This is an accusation against God. And will he be favorable no more? Is the goodness and the mercy of God that he promised me in his word at salvation, has that sort of just given up now? Has it run out? Will his favor never show up at my house ever again? Is his mercy clean and gone forever? That means that there would never be any uh, evidence that his grace was ever there. That his mercy was ever there and he says this and this is where as i read it the first time my heart became troubled for asaph's outcome he says doth his promise fail forevermore that means asaph is in such a place of depression such a place of spiritual attack that he is saying in his heart to himself that god's promises have failed God, you promised me that this would happen, and I don't see it happening. God, I prayed with all fervency, I was faithful, I fasted, and I I felt in my heart that you were going to do that thing, and you've not done it. We don't know what Asaph is going through, we don't know the pain, the emotion, we don't know the situation or the circumstance, but we do know that Asaph is in a dark place. Hath God, in verse 9, he says, Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Asaph is in a dark, dark place. This man is depressed. This man is in despair. This man is in emotional agony. And if you'll notice, it's not his earthly priest that he's talking to. It's not his mother, his father, his brother, his best friend that he's pouring his heart out to. It is not his wife that is getting these questions. He is talking directly to God with these questions. He's saying, God, what's changed? God, how could you And he hurls accusations at God. His emotion and even his anger is towards God. Remember as we go through this today that a walk of faith, a relationship with Jesus Christ is a personal relationship. If God knows who you are and you know God, then what you have is a personal relationship. And in Asaph's personal knowledge and relationship, and even in his comfortability, he communicates this way with God. The reason when I read these verses that I feel like this conversation that Asaph is having with God is almost controversial, how dare he ask God if his promises are going to fail again? As if they have failed. How dare he hurl the accusation at God that his grace and his mercy are shut off, that God would change his character, that God would be different towards him? How dare Asaph have that conversation? That was my first reaction. But what I'm finding out is the reason we feel in our hearts that this conversation with God from Asaph's heart is so taboo, it's such a no no. It's because we box God into some sort of unrealistic reality where these conversations do not happen. Asaph spoke things that Christians rarely feel safe to speak about. Many believers would never risk admitting out loud that, God, I'm questioning what you're doing. And whether from a place of reverence and respect, what it does is it disrespects the relationship. God already knows your heart. God already knows your thoughts. God already knows how you feel. He's waiting for you to have a dialogue with him just as Asaph did. And maybe at the end of the day, your problem is not with your husband. Maybe the anger and the frustration you feel is not towards your wife or your new boss who's changing everything at work or the situation at your school or your college. Maybe at the end of the day, your problem and your gripe and your grief and your complaint is with God. Maybe he's the one that needs to receive the conversation. Maybe your real issue is that you feel ignored You feel cut off and you feel forgotten by God. Look at verse number three when he thinks about God. Because my first thought is, Asaph, how can you even be a Christian, a safe person? How can you even claim God? How dare you go down this road? Because this is life as a human being in the emotion and the reality of life on earth. Verse number three, look what it says. I remembered God and was troubled. He's saying, I'm remembering all that God did. I'm thinking about God and His power and all the things that He's done. And and instead of it being a a good thing to refresh me and to give me hope and to lighten the load, when I remember God, Asaph is saying, it makes me worse. It puts me in a deeper hole when I see somebody else worshiping and somebody else getting victory. Instead of me being able to worship and thank God with them and say, God, thank you for moving in their life. It just puts me in a deeper, darker hole. Asaph is in trouble. When you get to a place where you can't look back and say, God, thank you for what you did in my life. And it brings to your heart a sense of peace and relief and comfort and something for you to cling to. Then something is terribly wrong. It only caused him to complain bitterly, the Bible says. And Asaph, this man, you must understand, this is a man with a song. This is a man with a heart for worship. The Old Testament tells us that he is one of the most compelling, powerful musicians of his time. He was a singer that was known by the entire nation in David and Solomon's era. Asaph knew what it was to praise God. Yet this man who is one of the most talented musicians, one of the greatest prolific worshipers, he is in a place where he is asking God these questions. Verse number 6, he talks about his song. He says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent search just to think on, just to remember happier times makes it worse and then my spirit is searching he's looking for something and what his problem is is asaph is in a dead panic asaph is in a place where he's looking for a solution to his problem for his soul to search diligently for his spirit to look diligently for something if he thinks about god and it troubles him Then what is he going to do? He's going to turn to something. That is someone that is in a spiritual panic. And these behaviors, what he's doing, this cut off, ignored, forgotten feeling, these are the patterns that begin to form in people's lives when they get too low and they get too dark and they get too depressed. And instead of running to God and his word and prayer, they go to God and his word and prayer and they sense nothing. They feel nothing. So they turn to things that are in the end harmful to themselves. It's a revolving door of pain. It's a pattern of destruction. And this is where you see people in five or ten years who repeat this process. And then we have an early funeral. This is a serious place that Asaph is in. Asaph feels ignored, cut off, and forgotten by God. Let me help you with something. If you feel this way, or if you have ever felt this way, you are not the only one. Part of the devil's favorite tool, part of his game, part of his evil, is to bring you to a place where you are so low that you can't see the other people that are there with you. He isolates you and cuts you off. From anything you're familiar with. That's part of his plan. The Apostle Paul said that Satan is constantly, continually working to get an advantage on believers, to pit them either against each other or against God himself. It is part of his wicked plan to destroy your life, rob you of joy, rob you of peace, and destroy your family. It's his plan. And Asaph is at a place where he's so low, so attacked, so cut off. He's saying, God, are you really who you said you were? Are you really the God that promised these things? Or have I followed fun- cunningly devised fables? Are you real? Are you who you said you were? Or have I been fooled? This is what's coming out of his heart. I submit to you that that emotion... And that struggle and that battle is part of the Christian life. The feeling that God is not favorable towards you. That his loving kindness has ceased towards you. And that his promise that he made you is somehow unreliable. And that his compassion has been rescinded. That is part of living in this life. You see, you as a child of God, and please understand the message today is for Christians. Are you with me this morning? You as a child of God, this is not your home. This is not your permanent address. Don't lose that. And while you are waiting to be taken to the place where this is, Feeling this darkness, this despair, until you're away from the source of that despair, the source of that darkness, the source of that is the wickedness that exists on this earth. And until Jesus comes and wipes the slate clean and takes Satan and casts him into hell for final total judgment, this is the experience of life. There will be dark. Days. There will be struggles, there will be battles, but it does not mean that God has changed the way He feels about you. Some of you have had to go to funeral homes more this year and last year than you ever have before in your entire life, and it's been for your family members. And there have been days you may still be in that season of life now where you go, God, are you dead? Are you listening to me? Do you hear me? How could this be the plan for my life? And whether you want to admit it out loud or not, God already knows that that is the conversation of your heart. And just like Asaph, this is an opportunity for you to have brutal honesty and radical ownership of the problem. To take it and take everything that comes with it and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Jesus. You'll never get understanding, you'll never get peace, you'll never get over it until you come to the point where you say, God, I trust you, I know that you love me, I know that you care for me, I don't understand this, but I'm giving it to you in the pain and in the darkness that I'm in. That's exactly what must happen. This isn't some sort of rare disease that Asaph has. It's not some sort of uncurable disaster that you're experiencing in your darkness and in your despair. This is just part of everyday Christian life. It's the chief symptom of waiting for heaven. God has you here today alive on this earth with blood pumping through your body and air going into your lungs and a brain firing all the synapses, the billions and billions of cells that it takes for you to process and to think God does not have a life here for no purpose You are here with purpose. You are here with intention. And if you belong to God, he said it's for his glory. People who stand in pulpits and call themselves pastors or preachers and say that if you belong to God, then your life will be so easy. It'll be so blessed. You'll never know what it is to taste death. You'll never know what it is to have cancer. Those men are heretics. The life of a Christian can be a painful existence. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me into the suffering that I may know him and the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. That is the Christian life. And if Satan can make you feel diminished and if he can make you feel as a lesser Christian or a lesser child of God or a lesser member of this church because you're in a struggle and you're in a battle, there is another attack. And what we need is confidence. You say you're too passionate. No, I just know that there's power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And what we need is a generation of Christians that say, yes, it's getting dark. Yes, the world is falling apart. Yes, morality is gone on our country. But I have Jesus. And I can make it. So how does he come out of this hole? How in the world is a man who is hurling accusations at God? How does he come out of the position that he's in? How does he go from the posture of laying on the ground, wallowing in the mire? How does he come from there back to the place that he belongs? And let me remind you, child of God, that your place is at the Father's table. Your place is with a ring on your finger. The place that is set for you is with a robe and a new name and access to the throne room of God through and by Jesus. Do not squander your position. When Jesus looks at you, he does not see failure. He does not see sin. All he sees is blood and that you're a son, that you're a daughter. Don't squander your position. Come up with confidence and authority and do exactly what our friend Asaph does. Look what he says in verse number 10. And I said this in my infirmity. So he's in it. Pay attention to that. We've not been removed. There's not been some sort of helicopter evacuation. He is still in the pit of misery. I said this in my infirmity, colon. But I will remember the years of the right hand, Of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary, who is great a God as our God. He came to his senses in the midst of his infirmities, and he remembered the holiness of his God. When he says there in verse number 13, "Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary, he's talking about the holiness of God. What has come to his mind is the character of his God. He's now remembered who it is that bought him and paid for him and purchased him. It's the God that loves him and that wants to be with him and that lavishes grace and mercy every day, even in the midst of a great trial. God always acts in strict accordance to his holiness. Or he's not God. Let me say that again. God always acts in accordance to his holiness. Or he's not God. He doesn't make a mistake. He doesn't mess up. He doesn't have an eraser or white whiteout. He's God. It may look like a mistake to us. It may look like a mishap to us. God, there's no way you meant for that to happen but in his sovereignty and in his perfection and his authority and supreme power, he goes, yes, it is. It's for us to worship him even in the midst of that. So he gives us the formula here to remember him. Remember him. If you want to come out of this place, this position, this depression, this sadness, This looming cloud of darkness that wears you out every day of your life. That robs you of your smile. The thing that makes you anxious. The thing that makes you angry. The thing that makes you unfriendly to your brothers and sisters in Christ. The thing that causes you to cancel plans every time you've tried to make them because you're too panicked or too worried or too anxious to even come out of the house. Whatever that thing is, today is the day it changes. This is the day. This is where we collectively as a church and individually in our hearts, we take our saber, our sword, and we draw a line in the sand and we say, Satan, no more. It's spiritual intelligence, spiritual growth, and it's even spiritually emotional growth that we all need. My prayer is God make me spiritually mature. But make me emotionally mature. That I don't have some sort of bed of roses expectation for this life. But that I remember that I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I'm his slave. And he's a good master. Because he can tell no lie and he can do no wrong. And he has my best interest. My best Interest in his heart. That's a God that loves you enough to allow you to go through the darkness and the pain so that somehow, some way, he gets glory. That's a good God. And if we get anything better than hell, we will have one eternity with God. And now we have a race to run together. He says to remember the right hand of God. The right hand of God is the capability of God, and God can do anything. God can bring you out of your place today. He said to remember the works of God. His works, think about what God has done. Don't don't go to scripture yet. Think about what God has done in your own life. Some of you were saved later in life and you remember what it is to wake up in the morning and not be saved. You remember the absence of the Holy Ghost. And maybe you're in a place where you can't remember exactly how it feels, but you know at some point, at some time, God the Holy Ghost dealt with your heart. And he's saying, remember the works. I was saved at 15 years old, but I promise you this, I remember what it was to wake up the next morning the weight of the world off my chest. I knew that if I died that day or on the way to St. Thomas for a missions trip with Trinity's teenagers, that I'd see heaven. There's something about this that goes so against the grain of humanity. No one wants to have this conversation No one wants to admit that they're struggling that much. But your pride can do a couple of things. Number one, it can keep you from heaven if you'll allow it. If God the Holy Ghost is dealing with your heart, you know you need to be saved. And your pride comes up and you stay away and you push him away and you reject him. Your pride can send you into eternity without God. And as a Christian... Remember, we're still attached to this old flesh that we war against every day. The pride will cost you peace. It'll cost you contentment. And some of you simply need to ask God, beg God to remove the pride and then crumble in his arms. Crumble in his arms. Waste away as a fractured vessel in the arms of Jesus. And let him pick up the broken pieces and rearrange what he wants for your life. I've never been in a place like Asaph has been. There may come a day I have to. I look out across this audience and I see people, Miss Heather, you can help me. And I see people and I know you and you know me and we have a great relationship. And I know some of the situations you've gone through. I know some of the pain and the heartache that you've experienced. And it's the grace and it's the mercy of God that you're able to be here in the building this morning with a hand held high, a tear rolling down your cheek. That is the work of God on display. And then lastly, he said, I will remember not only the right hand, I will remember the works But I will remember the wonders. I'll meditate upon them. The wonders of God. The glory of God that I cannot comprehend. The majesty and the power of God that I can't fully see. I'll remember them in my infirmity. And then the greatest thing you can do is you remember not only to look back on the works that God has done in your own life, But then you can go to Holy Scripture and see the character of God, the nature of God, the pattern that God executes his ways in. And you'll see a God who intervenes. You'll see a God who takes broken things and does incredible things. That is the nature and the character of our God. He so comes to his senses, I believe in my heart, at some point he gets his words back. And Asaph starts preaching a little bit. Look at verse number 16. He says, The waters saw thee, O God. What waters? The Red Sea. He's thinking back to the wonders of God when he got them out of bondage in Egypt. He said, The waters saw thee, O God. The waters saw thee. He repeats himself. He's got to be a Baptist preacher. He says, They were afraid. He said, you're so holy, you're so mighty, you're so righteous, you're so majestic with power that when the water saw you, it got scared, it trembled at your presence. That's confidence, that's authority, and that's exactly what you need to come up out of the pit and live in the freedom and the liberty and the joy of this life with Jesus. Charles Spurgeon read this psalm, listen to what he said. He said, if you are a child of God, yet have never had to ask these questions that Asaph asked, you ought to be very grateful. And today I can say with full confidence that I've never been in a place like this, and I thank God for that. But if you have to ask these questions, or if you are now currently asking these questions, be very thankful that Asaph asked them before you and believe that as he had a comfortable answer to the questions, so shall you. It is always a comfort when you can see the footprints of another man in the mire. For if that man passed through unharmed, so may you pass through unharmed, for his God shall also be your helper. The same God that Ace of Saul in the darkness of Psalm 77 is the same God that'll bring you out of whatever you're in in 2022. It's the same God with the same capability, the same love, the same reach, and He will change your life today because that's just who He is. And if you're in a hole, if you're questioning God, if you're doubting God, then get to these altars and tell him. He already knows. And lay the burden down and take your rest. And sleep tonight like you haven't slept in years, knowing that God loves you. Oh, he loves you. My God, he loves you. He loved you enough to send his son to die on your cross. Glory to God for the love of God that He would send His only Son to die in your place. Don't tell me God doesn't love you. Don't tell me that God has forgotten you. He knows right where you are and He's here today. And He'll change your life. That is the God we serve. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Oh, He loves you. Brother Doug, I think it would be fitting in the invitation that we prepare to sing Oh, How He Loves You and Me. It's very simple. The altars are already open. If you've been coming to church here for any time, you know what to do. If you need prayer help, you come. These altars are available. I want my deacons, my Sunday school teachers, I want you to meet me in the altar. It's a difficult message that's been preached this morning. There's a lot of people. They're so gripped by depression, anxiety, and pain. They can't even breathe an utterance to God. They can't move. And so what we're going to ask God to do today is to help some people who are in a place, who are in a battle. No one's looking around. No one's moving or getting up unless they just have to. Is there anybody here that say, Pastor Winston, maybe not to that degree. Maybe in a different way. But today I can say without any doubt that I'm in a place. I'm in a hole, and I've got some questions that I need to ask. Is there anyone here man enough or woman enough just to raise your hand? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. Hands, hands, hands all over the building. May I please invite you to come ask those questions. There's already people here in the altar praying. When we stand in just a moment, I want you to come. Those that just raised your hand, I want to pray with you. I want to ask God to touch you. And my last question is very simple. Are you here today, but you do not know what it is to be in this personal relationship with God? There is nothing for you to remember because you don't know him. Is there anyone here man enough, woman enough to say, Pastor, I'm not saved. I'm not sure I'm saved. Pray for me. Would you just raise your hand? No one's going to come to you or bother you. We just want to know how to pray appropriately. I don't see any hands, but we'll be here available to pray with you if you have questions. Let's stand all over the building. All those hands that were raised, I want you to come meet with me. We're going to pray together. Christians, you lead the way. Your tenderness, your obedience could be the key to someone getting some help today. Let's just go into a season of prayer Ask God to move.